All right. Um, so I guess maybe to start with, um, do you want to like kind of, oh, here, here's some folks. Um, do you want to take us through um, a little bit about you and your career, you know, for the, uh, the backstory here of what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, originally I went to school for business and I just kind of fell sideways into or completely backwards rather really into development. Right. Um, so I went to school, got my bachelor's in business administration, um, and then I ended up taking a boot camp, which some people around this area in Michigan, Detroit would probably know. It's uh, Grand Circus. Um, I was like part of their like first core cohort back in like 2014, I want to say. Um, and then I ended up after that at Nexium while I was still in school, which was pretty sweet to have like a job while you were still in school that was full time. At least I was, I had like a few classes and I was like, oh, this is great. Like get me out of school. Right. Like whatever gets me there. Um, and then from there I, I had left after actually learning how to software develop, like really, you know, the bootcamp will take you up to a point, but it doesn't really teach you enterprise level stuff. Right. It's, it's great for everything up to that point. Like, yes, I can hit the build on visual studio and I can do some basic things. Right. Um, and maybe I know what the difference between a value type and reference type is, right? Hopefully. Um, and then from, from leaving Nexia, I went to another company in Detroit, which was called uh, Meridian Healthcare. That was owned by the Cottons. Um, I don't think it is anymore. I think it's like WellCare or something. Um, and there I was like, oh, wow. So I learned how to do everything right in my first job, unit testing, blah, blah, blah. And then my, my second job was like, everything is on fire all the time. And that, that was a crazy experience just because it was like, okay, this is how I don't want to do things. Right. And it was always good. I thought to compare and contrast that. Um, and then from there I was like, okay, I really want to start doing stuff. Right. So I looked around for like, what is like the premier place in Michigan? Um, at the time, this was 2017, I think 2016, it was pillar technology. Um, and I don't think my time there uh, coincided at all with yours, Eric. But um, yeah, so I joined in 2017. I was there for three years during the Accenture cutover. And then uh, partway into the COVID times, uh, I got let go from Accenture as part of like the uh, Accenture does this like cutting of people every year. Like it's not a Related to COVID, they just cut people every year. Hmm. Um, and it's supposed to be based on chargeability and other things. In this case, it wasn't, um, or at least in my case, I think, because uh, I had clashed a lot with people, uh, both on projects and at like the, um, the regional like level people who are controlling the region. Uh, hmm. Had some fairly strong disagreements with how we handled particular clients. And then from there, I was like, well, I'm fired. What do I do now? Uh, and I just kind of <laughs> fell into, like I keep doing, uh, I fell into freelancing. I got super lucky. I hooked up with um, some folks out of South Carolina and Chicago who had some contracts. They needed help. And luckily during this time, um, this is really what starts the whole, like, what do you want to do? Where are you going to be? How do you get people in type of thoughts is like, okay, you're going to be W2 for us for a little, or for a little while. 
you should probably start your own company, do like an S corp and all this stuff. And I'm like, mm. okay, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Um, so between like June and August, that's when I like set my company up. And then it's been getting people in and getting, you know, other people that I'd like to work with that I didn't have strong disagreements with, or just were like, you know what, you're a fantastic person. You're level-headed. You do good work. Please come work with me. Right. Um, which is good until you like, you're out of that kind of um, personal network, right? Um, and mm. that's kind of where I'm in right now. Sure. So that's like a, a bridge version, I guess. So in thinking through the sort of people that are listening or, or going to be listening after the fact, there's a lot of interest in um, going independent. And then um, in, in some of the specific stuff you'll, you've done that um, we'll get into yeah. here in a moment, but um, had you... Um, been self-employed or moonlighted in any of your stints like were you doing stuff before what was it like 16 months ago going on your own or was going on your own completely new uh so i had done moonlighting i uh was teaching at grand circus for a while as a night instructor Mm. and i once did a contract with another guy back in uh, meridian times and that went freaking south real fast uh (laughs) like that was a really bad experience, honestly. Um, you know, I got I got paid, but it, it wasn't much, and it wasn't like impactful or it's kind of like the wrong type of work, if you will, right? Um, and it was like degrees removed. I think like the best work you can do is like the work that you're you're closely aligned on on the vision with the company, mm-hmm. um, and you can honestly tell them like think think this through, think through your actions, think through what you want to, where you want to go and where you want to be. Um, so if you can't, if you can't say that and you don't have any control, you're just, there's no difference. Just do enterprise work. Sure. So, um, so you had a little bit of experience moonlighting. Um, yeah, not much though, honestly, like one was like scary. And then I was just grand circus is uh, a pretty easy gig. You show up, you, teach you complain about like the scheduling because there's never enough time to really get people all the knowledge they need uh, sure. and then then you go it's like 10 o'clock and you go home go to sleep. so that's in a sense kind of like writing for hit subscribe let's say or doing courses for plural site or something like that's a fairly structured yeah. piece of moonlighting yeah there's um, not much where you can go out of the lane right so um you know if we rewind to when you were let go from accenture um yeah. Did you like, what was your circumstance? Like, was your first impulse to go look for another job? Did you have some runway? Like, you know, uh, cause I think a lot of people would be interested in that particular moment. Like what was that moment like for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, um, we had been hearing for like a few months, like chargeability is everything. Chargeability is just this Fugazi metric of how much money did you bring into the company versus how much money did you sit and do nothing. Right nothing being operative here it's fugazi right oh and for context i, I want to mention so for for people listening accenture is a consulting firm so this is um you know billable work to the uh, clients yes. is what we're talking yeah. about exactly um so there's a few months leading into my departure or whatever we want to call it uh there was a bunch of talk about make sure your chargeability up make sure your chargeability is up um, and I was like, oh, this is great. I'm at like 94%. Um, this is fine. Uh, so I, I didn't really think about it until like the 
the cascading started to happen. I don't know a better word to put it. So you kind of were hearing about people in Iowa being let go, people in Ohio being let go. And then it came Michigan's time and it was like, ah, I got the call. Well, there it goes. Uh, Hmm. So I didn't really uh, have much of a forewarning, but I did have, which was nice, two weeks to kind of figure out where I, what I wanted to do. And they paid for it. They're like, Hey, you don't have to work. Like find this time to get a job. Like, that's cool. Um, and that was nice of them. But I was like, I still wanted to do work because I was working on something kind of cool. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll just work. I'm not worried about a job. Like, you can get a job right now in that market, even during COVID. Even right now, I think it's, if you have a good skill set and you can talk your way through an interview, even, you know, the crappy ones, you can get by, right? Um, and at that point, so I didn't spend my two weeks wisely and I started getting on like stack overflow jobs, um, started getting on LinkedIn jobs and I had like a few different places where I thought I was going to go, like in terms of enterprise. So I was really leaning that way. And it wasn't until, um, the folks out of South Carolina that I ended up working with, like they just had like all of my technology uh, check marks, serverless programming, sharp, laser, like new cutting edge stuff that I wanted to be a part of. I was like, that's that's where we land here. Like, I don't want to do Java. I don't want to just be one server person or um, doing X, Y, Z in enterprises will at least give me a lot of freedom. Because at the time, I think I was a third person. Uh, so it was me and two other people, one in South Carolina and one in Chicago, working on this contract, uh, which was cool. Like at, at that ex- like level, when you have like some kind of safety, um, in terms of like, yeah, I could disappear overnight, like whatever, but like we've been here for a little bit. So it feels yeah. like almost a normal job, but you have way more control over the technology and how you're doing the work. Like that summer was like probably my best summer of working. I was like, so much more relaxed and so even keeled. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Why would I ever change this? <laughs> so it was, did they find you through Stack Overflow? or? The, yeah, the- that was Stack Overflow. Uh, and since then, I keep looking at Stack Overflow, hoping to find like another gold nugget like that. <laughs> uh, but I've not had any luck. And I think that comes down to like how recruitment in the industry is really handled. It kind of sucks, right? Um, you offer to pay $80 an hour. You tell a recruitment firm that they want to take $20 an hour. And then you're left with, well, this isn't uh, the level of developer I wanted. Why can't you guys find the talent that I need? Mm. And that's kind of bad. Um, sure. That, that's, it's, it seems hard, like in this space when you're trying to ramp up. And like every person when you're, when you're small is so pivotal right? Um, you, you can't really make mistakes in the hiring process or contracting process, subcontracting process at this point, I find, uh, you know, one, one bad person, one really toxic person and the client is gone. So. Sure. So you, um, you hooked on kind of with uh, a couple of people doing contract work and what was that relationship like? You were a subcontractor, were they paying you or did you work direct with the client? Yeah, so uh, at that time I was a subcontractor. Um, mm. My company still subcontracts with uh, one of them. Um, and 
during that time, we were still like layers removed from the main contract, or at least one of the main contracts. So it was like main company, sub company A, sub company B, and then uh, the company that I was subcontract for. So I was like way down here. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten better to where it's just A, B, and then me, which is nice um, to have that more closeness, but it brings other risk of like, are they going to buy? Because obviously what happened to the first two that were in between, they got, they got bought. Mm. Um, so like, can they just swoop in and buy everybody? There's, there's different kind of questions like in this kind of stage that we're in, which is interesting to be in. Sure. So, um, it sounds like, and I can relate to this too, early on being in business for myself, I did a fair bit of subcontracting that like people might not realize this if they've always been salaried, but there's this whole world out there where you can actually um, um, have structures that are, you know, almost a hybrid or, or something that isn't just completely all or nothing. And so it sounds like opportunistically you um, got in with some good folks and it sounds like the early days of that went really well. So yeah. Um, you spent that summer on this one contract or were you doing other kinds of work? Yeah, one contract. During the summer, once I started my company, like I was more worried than I was now uh, about like, oh, what happens if this blows up? Uh, mm. How do I keep myself um, going? And I, you know, started doing requests for proposals to, to different businesses. I started uh, looking into places that would be amendable to like hiring my company. So there was like... Um, a cloud computing training service um, that wanted to get into the Azure space. They only knew AWS and Google. And I was like, Hey, I'll be your Azure guy. Uh, let's set this up. How many, how many, like how many courses do you want? Uh, how many uh, days do I have to train people? Like what's the situation like? Um, and they were really amendable. And in the end it didn't end up working out because I decided like, I can't do this. Like I've stopped teaching at Grand Circus. I've, I've stopped like looking for work because at this point it's like a different stage. It's like hmm. going from that like uncertain aspect to like, crap, we can just really make this work out, um, which is where I'm at now and like make it into um, something bigger. Um, even if it's just like a few clients or whatever, um, I wouldn't be able to bring anybody with me to, do that like single man consulting engagement, right? Mm. So the, the contracts that I'm interested in are like, hey, we need a team to do build or we need a team to do um, some training or whatever. Like that's, I think, where the fun will be because then I can keep working with like the same people in, in my little network. So that makes sense. It sounds like you started off on your own. You were looking for hedges or like things to have lined up. Yeah. And, and I can relate to that too, you know, doing some training. Uh, you want diversified sources of income, but then as you are on your own for a while, gain more confidence, it sounds like, no, yeah. let me focus on, on what's really the sweet spot here. Um, mm -hmm. So I think the thing, you know, like to get into um, the, the primary thing that I think would interest a lot of folks like in the community in general it sounds like you have kind of now um, a collective or a cooperative of people that you are working with at times. Like, can you tell yeah. me about like what your business is like and what the relationship with other um, contractors is like these days? Yeah. Um, so back when I first started at Pillar and I like became a little bit like cranky or for lack of a better word, just like <laughs> disenfranchised or illusioned about, um, kind of how we were pursuing contracts and how we were treating clients. 
I was like, I'm going to just start my own thing. It's going to be like six people. It's going to be employee owned. I take this person, this person, like I knew who I wanted and who I wanted mm-hmm. to work with at that point, um, which was nice. I started to get their buy-in, like, let's just go, let's do this on our own. Um, and this was like 2017, 2018. And it turned into like this joke where I even had like on my, my laptop, like a, a pillar sticker, but it had my future company name on it. <laughs> uh, so from, from that point, once I started to like need people for this, I know who to reach out to. And it became like, well, how do I get them in? Like I could subcontract them to me. Um, which probably would have worked. I would have had like a lot more overhead. I, I think like if you don't have a company doing payroll and a company who can really work with QuickBooks and actually want to be on the phone with like QuickBooks or whoever your software, your accounting software is like, that's a huge time sink, right? To make sure everybody is funded and then making sure like you have a reserve in your bank and you're being fiscally responsible. Like what if I don't get paid for this month? What happens to the people downstream of me? Right. Mm. Um, I think those are just regular business owner questions that you have to think through based on like when you're getting paid and when you, okay, they might've been late. So really when is it late first not being paid? Right. Um, so from, from that point, I didn't want to subcontract anybody. I decided so what I ended up doing is I passed these people right directly to the same person who holds my contract. Um, and what's been nice about that is not only that it lets me be loosely or more loosely associated with these people, it gives them all the margin. Like I don't make mm. anything off of anybody, which is nice. Cause like moralistically or ethically, I'm still trying to find like my own space. Like I realize uh, trying to convince people is a lot of time. <laughs> like, People don't want to leave the enterprise if they're if they're comfortable mm-hmm. or they have a lot of questions about healthcare where they just don't really see the tax benefits and you've really got to like explain it to them. Um, and that could take time. Uh, and all of that time has to factor in somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. It has, you have to be paid somehow. So like I've been, in my mind, I've been doing like a lot of this for free and I'm like starting to rethink that. I'm like, God, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a bad business decision. I'm being just <laughs> terrible with my business right now. Um, cause yeah, for every yes, there's like people who just like will ghost or just are harder to get or like, eh, maybe later do it, do it for like three months and then I'll decide like, mm. okay, you need to make <laughs> that leap faith now. Uh, so yeah, what, what started, um, that was like the employee owned company. That's way too much overhead. Right. Even subcontracting directly to yourself is a lot of overhead. I passed all of that off, which was nice. Um, although now I have an accounting firm, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I could actually like have people under me. Um, so we'll see how that plays out in the future. I have looked into something that might be interesting to people here. It's called the Series Corp, a Series LLC. Mm-hmm. They're not legal. Well, they're not not legal everywhere. They just haven't had case law. So each state right. has to decide. Michigan has not decided. And um, I was trying to see if people would be interested. Like, let's create whatever the company's called. It could be my company name. It could be whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And my company can be one small portion under it as an LLC. And then everyone can have their own contracts. Just hire each individual um, business within that larger organization. 
Um, the tax benefits are there. That stuff makes a lot of sense. Um, but it's kind of like a wait and see. Like you don't want to really do it and be have your business made in Michigan and then the courts rule. No. <laughs> right? That's that's a bad time and then having to figure that out. So you can do it in New Jersey. I know that. I was talking to a, a lawyer in New Jersey who had set it up. Um, but that also breaches like a level of of trust and comfortability among everybody because you're really beholden to what's the ownership of the parent company and how do you decide that mm. rather than like the individual ones. Individual, you could be a hundred percent, but you could maybe you're only at five at the top level. Are you comfortable with that? Like if you have 10, 20 people, how does that effectively scale? Right. At like five seems okay. But um, outside of that, and playing with that idea that one seems the most interesting route if you're going to truly try to like have a like six person small consulting firm that does like one or two contracts really well and can maintain those relationships so for the sake of people listening like a series llc being um my understanding is i think illinois allows this for instance and like um it was brad that was telling me that it's common for, I think, real estate ventures where you have a company and then like each apartment building or something that the real estate company buys up has its own company. So if I'm understanding you correctly, in this case, you'd be talking about the consultants, there would be a parent company and then each consultant would have their own LLC under that parent company. Am I getting that right? Yeah. And you can have like another degree of separation there, right? So like um, my, my company within the higher company, the series LLC, mm-hmm. it actually just um contract out my real company that's completely independent right so you can even do that um that makes like the accounting a little bit more difficult from my understanding but i haven't seen it in action but i've um the the lawyer in new jersey i was talking to recommended that that way everyone can one keep their business and all their assets and don't have to like fold anything right Mm. and then two um gives them more um limited liability protection right so, so on, on balance here, what you've been doing, if I may summarize, is essentially finding people that you like and want to work with that are out there and contracting, and then you find work that's more than just you can take on. And then you go to these you know, friends and people in your network and say, hey, let's do this together. But at the moment, all you're really doing is introducing them to the client as another contractor. So you're kind of doing ad hoc collaboration. Is that right? Yeah, right now it's mostly ad hoc collaboration. We have, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say. Uh, there are things in the work, as there always are, about like turning this into something more permanent, turning it into um, a more robust consulting firm and offering. And then what does that look like for people? Can you still, um, could, you, could you make it to where the, do you spin into like a, LLC or um, a series LLC or can we do like something else and mm-hmm. those are some waters that uh, me and folk are treading right now and asking ourselves like really uh, what can we do can we combine things from the client's perspective too like I have this client you have this client I have these clients if I tell them we're kind of merging or thinking about doing something how do you spin that right it's like mm. well for business continuity if I get hit by a bus you got other people who can take care of you. So yeah. that looks really good for you, I would hope. Um, but so like right now it's an evolving landscape um, and where I kind of picture us going like long-term or my own hopes is 
that, you know, senior level folk who been in the industry a while and want to keep having their own things, have multiple contracts, but still want to work in like this kind of almost network. That's all good. Like we can handle that. We can give you most of the margin and then bringing on like more junior level resources um, as actual, like whether that's still subcontractors or my hope is still like employees so they can really have some safety net around them and feel good about doing it versus well, I could just go to Ford and, you know, sit on my 401k and all, all of those benefits that an employee typically wants. Sure. Um, but I think like that's the, the hard thing is like once you have this kind of consolidation of a lot of talent, uh, it has to spin into something. Right. Maintaining like the, the loose collective and maintaining all of the, the balls in the air, so to speak, between different people and, you know, this guy wants to go work on this. Um, this other person's thinking about this contract. Like that, that starts to be like, uh, I got to lock some of these people down somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Quite frankly, like, cause <laughs> we, we need, we need the help on this. We need the help on that. Um, but at least not in a way that's, you know, stifles creativity or like really traps them, but to where they can still go out and do different things. Cause I think the, the illusion that's destroyed with like freelancing or grabbing a contract is like how much time is just wasted in the enterprise, right? <laughs> like you, you can take three, three contracts on at like 30, 35 hours um, building, but get all that work done without too much of a problem in a seven day week, right? Um, seven days is obviously not sustainable, but like depending on what the work is and um how skilled you are there's there's no reason you can't take on more work till like you're actually at a hundred percent capacity and you're making what you really should make hmm. instead of twiddling thumbs at enterprise waiting for QA or BA or whatever manager to do X, Y, or Z. <laughs> so do you um uh I'm trying to think how to ask this, but um so it sounds like there's probably some, you know economies of scale that could be realized if you have a loose collective of people, everybody's solving bookkeeping, everybody's solving taxes. Yeah. So do you, are you looking at this, I guess uh, I'll flip into this. One of the things I had noted to ask about was, so there's a decent cross section of people uh, in the community that have read a book that I wrote called developer hegemony. Um, and one of the things I talked about, there was a vision I had for like small application development consultancies that operated the way law firms do, where you have mm -hmm. partners and then you're kind of more delegating um, yeah. things like books rather than having managers above you. Do you foresee, like, is that thing that I kind of thought might happen five years ago? Do you see overlap there with what you're doing? Um, like, yeah. does that kind of uh, fit what you're looking to create in some way? Yeah, I, I think the hard part and the hard question is for that is everything's based on trust. So if you ever get into like a partnership with somebody and you're looking to form a company, you know, like say me, me and Eric want to go take on this client, this client want, would just like us to be one company. So let's mm -hmm. start a partnership 50, 50, right? That's a lot of trust, right? Mm -hmm. um, you could mess it up. I could mess it up or, you know, something could happen in your life. Something could happen in my life. And then it's how, how maintainable is that? So when you add that kind of conflict or, 
potential for things to go awry and that level of trust you need across like six, seven, eight, nine, ten people. I have 14, I think, right now who are doing this with me. I mm. guess I'd be 15, um, plus the two people who started it. Um, it's kind of like, like so, yeah. so, so many relationships and so many things happening in everybody's life, you know? Um, and I think the not, what you said is like, economies of scale on the bookkeeping yes bookkeeping is so much better when it's just one person it's very easy healthcare is a personal choice right um what you do with your retirement personal choice right um but once once you get into like that partnership and maybe you could have like four or five partnerships to scale i don't know what that looks like maybe i'll yeah. get to find out but that would be like the the interesting thing is because i think you could get six people to roughly like align on vision and you know have the same like wants for medicare and 401k and you could you could sort that out and sort out like what is ownership um what are the stakes and how do, how does ownership change over time what happens if somebody gets divorced like you figure that out that's pretty common but across 20 people i don't know how you do it sure it's just there's too many variables right um i think that's 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 the challenge. But I, I would like to see, like as you say, like if you could just have six companies of four or five people, right? And get that like kind of economy of scale, not have too much aggressive bookkeeping to where, you know, Corey goes and does that for five hours a week on Fridays and that's what he does, right? Um he's director of that. <laughs> whatever however <laughs> you want to set it up, whatever title, right? Um and, and dole out those responsibilities. I think that's like healthy and maintainable. Um, but then, you know, can my company work with, or the company that we are, all six of us agree to work with all six of these people to handle this bigger, um, I'm not gonna call them whale clients, I'm going with anchor clients, but to mm -hmm. handle this anchor client. And is that client comfortable with that kind of concept, right? Um, I'm not sure. And at that point, what happens to that venture to you? then combine that venture into another company and then what is shares and everything look on that. I yeah. I'd like to think that it goes that way because, you know, what always made me upset with consulting was I'm getting paid 40, 50, $60 an hour and they're charging 170, 250, 400, right? Whatever the contract was. Yeah. You could spare some for me surely. Right. <laughs> like, come on guys. <laughs> like it's, it's not, there's no way you need that much, right? And there's no way the people at the top need that much. There's there's some reasonable like amount there that they do need for all of the higher level stuff, but that margin share is so skewed right now. Um, I think across all industries that it's it's a it's easy to like look step back and look at that and be like, I should just do this myself, right? Even with any kind of risk associated, because I mean, if yeah. a client goes bad, but you've saved up, like you can take that six months to find another client, right? It's just about managing that risk. Hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot of people out there listening that would like the kind of arrangement you're talking about, that I have this network of people I work with, we exchange jobs, mm -hmm. we kind of form ad hoc um, collaborations. So I guess, let me ask this. Um, what do you think if you're so what's it been like 15 months or i don't know the exact time that you've been doing this wow. but like um yeah, over 15. that period 15 yeah 
So over that period of time, like, I guess, thinking through where you were when you started, where you are now, like, what do you think has set you up for success to get into an arrangement that I think a lot of people listening would be interested in? Uh, I think that comes down to, I got ticked off enough about things being done wrong that I looked up, like, what's the, where's the top talent in Michigan at? And I went there and I got pissed off enough there to be like, there's gotta be better. Like, <laughs> this can't be it. Um, so like, and I think we kind of mentioned this before we started recording, like for me, it's always been like complacency, like, and, and complaining. Like I, I am a serial complainer that might be like annoying to people, but like, I, I don't let like those things sit. Not, not to say that you can't let some things sit, but um, just kind of keep it on your mind and like make plans, right? To figure out what your exit strategy is for whatever it is. If you think about wanting to do freelancing, that's the first step. Just think about it. Mull it over, right? You don't have to take big actions. You don't have to leave your job today or tomorrow, right? Take take those baby steps. Find a, a grand circus or or find, you know, some small moonlighting thing and just see what it's like. See how it impacts you at the end of the year. Because honestly, uh, while you have a full-time job and you're not like S-Corp and you see what the government does to you, you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, let's just do this whole Mm. Um, that would be your next like baby step, your next realization of like, okay. Um, the, the other thing is network, right? Like I, I would say I'm pretty bad at networking and it wasn't until like, um, you know, having 14, 15 people and like scraping the bottom I was like, well, this is actually pretty, pretty good start. Like, um, I apparently pissed off less people than I thought. So I'm happy with that. And people <laughs> want to work with me somehow. Cause I think I'm like, I wouldn't want to work with me, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, it, that, that helps like keep like, I know it's like coworkers, but treat, treat them like your friends, right? Like I want to spend time with you, even if, you know, we're forced to do some crappy project we don't really like, at least that makes it better um, hmm. than somebody that you don't like. And then you're doing some crappy project. that will just, you know, spiral you down, but if someone you enjoy and you could just like laugh with a joke, um, you know, make a note of that person, talk to that person, right? And talk to them about this and talk to them about like, what are their thoughts on it, right? So I think that's the way to, um, for safety, right? They might know somebody, family member, relative, um, who wants some work done, right? Um, a lot of people I know will pay like 10K for a WordPress site, I do a WordPress site for like the weekend 5k and not make it WordPress and be like, okay, I did pretty good this week. Right. Like <laughs> a lot, a lot of small businesses like that are, are ripe for this kind of market. It's just like the making them know that there are alternatives to like Wix and WordPress and those kind of sites. Right. Hmm. So it sounds like, um, it's kind of a mix of like not being complacent. Like if, if you're dissatisfied with things, at least consider how they might be better, even if you're not immediately acting on them. And I also liked what you said about just like a tiny slice of something, you know, go take a moonlight project or do something yeah. to gain experience. Um, and I think, you know, I, I can certainly imagine um, building up a network of folks. It sounds almost like you know, that you were proactively identifying these are the people that I would take with me and like a Jerry Maguire, like who's coming with <laughs> yeah. me moment or something like, you know, but if I'm thinking about it, if, if you're working in a job and you have coworkers, like the idea that you might come to them and say, hey, sooner or later, I might go do my own thing. Like, would you be interested? Like, you're almost like agitating for that outcome ahead of time. Because yeah. I feel like if you're planting those seeds for people, 
the odds of it eventually materializing are a lot higher than just one day you resign and, and you're like, hey, does anyone want to come do a thing with me? People would. Yeah, I mean, like from when I left uh, Meridian Healthcare to the time I joined Pillar, I brought, you know, a few folk with me to Pillar. Like I had already like been like, come on, let's go work here. It'll be better. You'll like it better. It's, it's so much better over here. The grass is greener. Come on, just do it. <laughs> to then like, okay, actually, I'm sorry, this sucks. Let's plan our next step, right? So I already had like a few people from, you know, even that time that I was like, yeah, we're going to keep, we're going to keep going and, and just keep coming. Like if I left to like a different enterprise job, I probably would have been like, yeah, come on, leave that place. Like Accenture is no good for anybody. Come on, leave. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before you're like sorted by an algorithm or some managing director of the 100,000 that they have just don't like you. So that's really interesting too. I don't know if I've ever heard or thought of it in those terms, but you had like, it sounds like a small crew of, crew of people that were like traveling with you at other jobs. So like maybe yeah. a really early step that somebody might take is to identify a few of those people and like orchestrate a move just to another salaried position. And then you have that experience. Yeah. I mean, companies are always looking like if there's a job posting and you know, it's not a startup, they don't have like a, a finite thing. It's a larger enterprise. They want people. They're a growing company. Like, Right now, the market is so freaking hot, and it's, it's crazy to think about it um, like that during uh, this pandemic or this turns into a recession or whatever. I don't know, but um, being in this spot, like, identify and know, like, what people are looking for. You can easily get, you know, referral bonuses and everything else, and, like, every time I've gotten a referral bonus, I've also just given it to the people I refer in. Um, wow. Nice. Because, well, at, I think that that's moral like ambiguity, like I'm paying or I'm getting paid because I gave you this person or I, like, I just want to work with them. Like there's gotta be like some cutback to that person or whatever. Like mm. I shouldn't profit off my, my friends like that. Right. Sure. Um, so from, from that perspective can be to me a little bit weird, but not everyone sees it that way. And I can appreciate that. I'm very bad at capitalism. Like, <laughs> my, I was sitting down with my uh, accountants when we were first going over the series LLC stuff, and they were like, why are you doing this? <laughs> I was like, I, I just want people to make money and just, like, want to keep working together. Like, that's what I find enjoyable is just working, like, working with the people that I like. Like, if you're going to do, like, a household project, like, we do a bathroom or um, do anything but cut your lawn, right? Like, if you could have a friend come over have some pizza and beer and just chill while you do the work it makes the work so much better. There's no reason why work can't be like that. Yeah. So, um, so in terms of like, uh, um, what your experience has been, do you have any particular like regrets and or like best experiences from going off on your own? Yeah. I think like regrets is like, uh, not, not appreciating like the different phases of stuff so much and like planning it out as much, right? Like I'm not exactly somebody who has a plan until I need a plan. Um, so like going from like, cool, I can sit here, I can do work and I'm just, I'm listening to my, my music and I will have managers over me and I'll touch base with this guy like once a week, it's great, right? That much freedom to going like, hey, we need like so many people and we're gonna start this new project and all of this like um, extra stuff that I didn't, I didn't think about and I didn't really give forethought into it. Right. Like I could have, there are different ways, you, could, you know, I could have taken things and um, 
I probably would have done it differently, right? I probably would have just taken on that, let them be subcontracts after me, just don't make any margin off of them um, and keep everybody in-house. And then maybe I'd have a stronger case at that point for like a series LLC or, um, and maybe I wouldn't be thinking about things like so much from uh, what are we doing together versus what, what can be done like um, ahead of time, I guess, like just for, for me individually. Um, I think like what's been really good uh, is having other people who, who've wanted to do this and that have helped me out. Like um, shout out to Brett Lilly who created like an entire, like how to be a freelancer uh, thing for me, uh, <laughs> which it started with my like crappy Google docs when I was trying to convince him to do it. Uh, <laughs> here's step one, two, three. And it was like really like scutch. And he like made it into like a real thing. Um, and I think tapping like another regret I have is not tapping other people's networks. There's like some like trust aspect, but once you like grow out of your immediate network, like you have to start trusting other people's networks, right? Like I trust this person. I can surely extend some trust to somebody they trust, right? Um, that doesn't seem like such a hard thing, but for me, like that is like that secondhand type of trust or there's like some doubts and there's like, oh, are they going to be good? What does this mean? Are they going to fuck us? Sorry. I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> um, but did like that, like, I, I just don't know. So like, for me, like, it's like letting go of that and like actually letting people like help me out. Like I don't need mm. to be on every like first initial call explaining things about freelancing and how good it is and why you should do it. Like I don't need to be a spokesperson for it to like this thing that's growing at least all the time. Cause I, I mean, for me, I need a break. <laughs> Right. at some point yeah i had the same same like pitch like like so many times like oh i can like hear it in my head right now i could certainly see the regrets i mean i just think of over the years being in business for myself there's a lot of like regret of hindsight like uh you know had i known now or then what i know now um so i think like there's a lot of um you know, uncertainty going into something like that and you figure things out. And then there's moments of like, I can't believe that ever worked or what have you. But I mean, it sounds like it's been for you, um, you know, on balance, quite successful to go from um, uh, yeah. a, a job to newly freelancing and now to kind of, you know, orchestrating uh, a whole bunch of other people, whether you're whatever that structure looks like to have a group of people. Because I think that a lot of people, um, go freelance and then they're always waiting for that moment when they can first subcontract or, or, or create like a bigger project. And you came yeah. to that pretty quickly. It sounds like. Um, yeah. I got, I got lucky with the people who were already, you know, freelancing for a while. Like that has its downsides too. If you stay out of the enterprise for too long and you're not like appraised of like the going is on and you don't have a network, uh, which is where I found my value, um, you know, with the people that I work with is, they have a network, but they're all doing their own things and they've been doing their own things for so long. Right. Um, whereas, you know, I, my network's like fresh out of like fresh and like filled with like angst at Accenture or whoever they're employed at. So, you know, that makes it a quite easy sell um, from that perspective. Uh, but, but yeah, I think to, to your point is that when, when you're thinking about like your, your network and, what, what the value add can be. You, you have to think about it like outside of yourself and you have to treat people like, well, like there's no reason, like the money's there in this, in this field. 
like everybody can have some of the money right it's you don't gotta like hoard it and like if you're somebody who's like freelancing and like just waiting to subcontract that's what i would say is like you know just treat treat those people well share them with the margin be upfront with them because you don't know what they can bring to you you don't know if they could help you like and they might be interested in continue working with you and bring you a contract or um help you like hire in because your your small contract turned out large because whatever like they had to fire their in-house it or whatever the heck happens mm-hmm. right um so that's that's where i'm at with it i think from like a how do you how do you build up that trust and i guess just like extend it even if they're just like subcontractors and you want to make money at the end of the day and you want to retire at 40 so you got to get to like two or four million dollars in revenue and how do you do that well you charge 150 an hour because you're beating people like a censure but you're only giving 80 an hour right oh um, you do better <laughs> not to mo- get on like a moral high ground but you know yeah i mean well i think that like so in in the book i'd written that i was alluding to too i talked about whether it's you know um uh, consulting or the enterprise that like all those layers of management that wind up on top of software engineers in the corporate world create, you know, rightly or wrongly all this need for margin to pay all these salaries and that um, you have a lot more flexibility going off on your own when you mm. own all of that uh, margin. Yeah. Um, I guess one last thing maybe, and this is kind of, this just occurred to me almost ad hoc in the uh, conversation here, but would you recommend I'm just picturing the the variety of people that are going to listen to this or are listening to this in their roles. Would you recommend going to work for a consulting shop as a springboard uh, to the kind of thing you're doing? So like, do you attribute much success to going to work for a consultancy like Pillar slash Accenture? Like, would you have been, are you better equipped for having done that? Is that a play that somebody might make to go work for a company like that for a couple of years? Yeah, it's interesting. I never really thought about it like that. Like, there's definitely a lot of overlap with there in terms of like client engagement, but it depends on like where you get to sit within that consultancy. For for me, that built the drive of like, yeah, being here, being team lead is not enough. I need to be here, here, right? I need more control to do more good for the client and to like really realize what the client is actually asking us to do mm-hmm. instead of, you know, people who are 10 times removed making decisions. Um, so yeah, that I, I wouldn't say it would hurt. Like def, like any kind of experience can't hurt you, right? Like whether that's your like own life experience outside of work or going and joining a consulting firm. I, I say you know, be you got to be careful with those consulting firms. They're they're everywhere. They don't always sell what they promise, and you can just become another cog, and that can be like a very bleak place to be. Mm. You know, so I've just like hazarded with that. It could be great. It definitely teaches you like client speak and, um, you know, how to, how to interact with the client and, and try and figure out what the client wants versus what should the product be, right? Both of those are valuable skill sets, working on a product for a long period of time and, and managing it and watching it grow versus helping somebody else do the same thing and, or set up their whole shop or transform their organization from, hey, we just sell trailers to, yeah, we sell trailers online. I've always been online. What's going on? We're agile. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right? um, so I think that's all the questions that I had. I, I was particularly interested to talk to you just given the nature of what you're doing and how I think that interests a lot of folks in the community. Um, so I'll yeah. throw it open now to, to Q&A. Does anybody have anything that they want to ask? Um, yeah. You can all unmute yourselves. 
Yeah, I'd like to ask something if it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Hi, I'm Tomasz. Um, I've been I've been freelancing forever. Well, not forever actually. It's but only been like ten years. <laughs> but uh, the one thing that I'm most interested in is how do you go from you know having let's say even you know two or three clients at a time to taking in more work than you can handle yourself and thus you know having the incentive to actually build a team um i mean organically i know i can set up a website and yeah that's one of the things i'm planning to do and um you know pretend i'm a big company already and then trying to get the work but let's say i'm just subcontracting like you were right and i just want to you know scale up let's say i want to hire people or do it like you do with the you know with the co-op um so what was your story if you the website part is interesting right because that's the first step of learning we versus i right you got to transform that because we is more valuable than i um which is i always found that uh slightly funny when i was doing some of that but um you know for if i was to be on a subcontractor and a client i was thinking about like starting up a team i would first think long term is there like a value proposition to the client for having a team of subcontractors to where they're willing to like continuously grow this team and have faith in this team, knowing that some of the risks are they could turn around and buy this team, right? They could individually buy out each contractor if they wanted. Their legal department's probably larger than yours. I'm assuming, I don't know how many legal guys you have. I have like one and it's not like, I don't want to talk to them because they're expensive. Um, <laughs> but fr from that perspective, if you could add that value proposition or even honestly organically talk to the client about one year five year plans and if they're not a technology company and they're not strong in technology they do whatever it is outside of technology really well that's where you can get into what like what's called transformation work and be like i'm going to set up a team temporarily it's going to cost you more but once you have this team once you have the process you can start hiring your own people internally there's a big value proposition in that because now they're going to save a lot of cost and you're going to have this long-term relationship with the client um, to start doing that transformation work long-term up, uplifting those individual devs or those team members that they're hiring. Um, and that's how I would approach it. It's always like driven by the value proposition for the client. Like if you can get on the same strategic page as the client, and get them thinking strategically, even if they're not, and a lot of times they're not, but as we all know, um, that would be like the, the start of the spinning. The, the risk there is, whether it's called anchor client or whale client is, what does that do to your time? As you're like, I believe in you, I'll, I'll work this really hard and I'll get people and I'll do all this. You, you have to balance that, right? I guess it also, requires that the client is like the, the end client, right? Because it's like, what happens if you are subcontracting to, let's say, some kind of an agency? Oh, well, and you don't have that option, right? Yeah, agency is definitely different. I personally stay away from them. Uh, I, I kind of refer to them as vampires, not in a nice way, um, to be honest. Uh, but I mean, there's nothing to say like you can't have a good relationship with an agency. And maybe, you know, an agency would want and be interested in building up some of that, but you have to make sure that you have some say in like what these people are getting, right? Because the offer from you has to be attractive enough to outcompete 
enterprise and outcompete risk, right? And so if you're managing expectations with the people, like you can obviously give them false promises, right? And the client, whether it's a recruiting firm or whatever, like I could see a lot of value for a recruiting firm having an internal team of developers that they can send around to bridge gaps. Like they have a lot of clients and relationships built. That's how they stay in business, right? They always need developers. That's why they're always hitting us up on LinkedIn, right? So there's definitely probably some value there that you could create. And that could be successful in and of itself, right? So it sounds like the the play to go from individual to bigger is to sort of what you're saying, if I'm understanding this correctly, is to look at your client and assess and figure out like, you know, what could they use a team for in essence? Um, like, is there a use case here to build a team? And then you become the one to do that. So it would be, um, I guess, upselling existing clients, if you will. Sounds like yeah. the most promising. Probably. I mean, in theory, you have a relationship, right? So I don't think anybody's ever, uh, at least I hope nobody ever gets mad about somebody asking them questions or making them think a little bit. Hopefully a client sees that and they're like, oh, this person could be more than I'm giving them credit for. And what can we do there? Right. Because I'll be honest, like a lot of, um, clients or people who want to be in the technology space, they've read a blog post, they've have no idea what they're doing. They just want it, right? Machine learning is just a word. AI is just a word. At the end of the day, they just want to be able to be like the visionary, if you will, and have ideas. To them, it doesn't matter how they get those ideas a lot of times, right? If it can realize profit for them and their company over time, like, that's a hard no. They just have to have the trust that you can make it happen, right? Um, other questions? Was there anything on the Slack? Not yet, but I'll make an announcement over there that we'll start the AMA portion. Um, okay. So I guess, yeah, we can adjourn on the call. Um, and if you are willing, you know, hang out for a little while and, and see if uh, questions come in uh, through the Slack. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, I'm got all day freed up for this. So no problems there. Great. Well, um, you know, I'll say live, thank you for your time. I've uh, enjoyed the interview. Hopefully this is interesting to folks listening and to the folks that will listen later on uh, uh, the YouTube video. So thank yeah, you very much. And uh, we'll see you over in the AMA. Yeah, th thanks for your time. And if I could, if anybody's interested, oh. um, I still am um, constantly looking for for people. So if you're interested in seeing what I have going on or any of the like resources I have, um, you know, just just ask me. I'm completely willing to share what's going on and where things are at. And that reminds me too. I am not at the top of my game. I wanted to say like, is um, where can people go and like find out more about you? Um, website, like where, where do you want to direct people? Yeah, I like gave up on building my website because of time constraints. Like I, uh, I got like a pretty cool design and everything. And I just gave up. I was like, I'll never have time for this. <laughs> uh, so I like I blew past my initial deadline uh, by like four months now. I just gave up. So uh, website's not good because I think mm, I don't know how uh, the best way to reach me will be like LinkedIn or Slack. I would say. And besides that, you could also just email me at Corey at life.technology. That's L-I-T-H-E dot technology.
Great. Thank you for reminding me, by the way. I meant to ask that and completely spaced. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. We will uh, see you here over in the AMA section. I will make an announcement in the um, general channel. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time and doing this. It was fun. Yeah, likewise. Take care. All right. See you guys.